Welcome to What Consumers Want, the podcast that brings the voice of the consumer to the healthcare conversation. Are you interested in getting outside the healthcare echo chamber? Using research and insights, we'll explore key healthcare opportunities through the eyes of the end consumer. We examine trends outside of healthcare that are driving consumer expectations, as well as what consumers expect from brands now and in the future. This podcast is brought to you by MDRG, a market research firm that unlocks the whole mind for deeper insights. I'm your host, Stephanie Douglas, and let's find out what consumers want. Hey everyone, I am really excited about our topic today. Today, we're gonna deep dive into one of the findings of our patient experience research. I mentioned this in our last podcast and the link to the study is gonna be on our podcast page. But what we did is we spoke to over 20 different leaders at Systems and Disruptors to see how organizations are tackling consumerism and patient experience. One of those findings was around how we are measuring success. And so we found that disruptors really highlighted metrics around engagement. They found that engagement was a leading indicator to revenue. That makes a ton of sense to me, you know, given a lot of these disruptors are web and tech-based startups, but it's pretty different from what systems do. You know, systems are really measuring their success along CSAT and NPS scores, which are really lagging indicators. So let's hone in on this a little bit. What does engagement even mean? We have answers on this from a couple of different sources. The first, the people. Of course, yes, we will always bring you the point of view of the consumer direct from the consumer. So let's get right into how consumers define engagement and examples of brands they think do it well. When I think of brand engagement, I think more of, I guess, kind of like proactive or like reputation-based customer service. A brand kind of that best represents that would probably be like Warby Parker. Just they're known for like, you know, low price products when we actually have to interact with the company as far as like customer care issues it's no hassle and they're just kind of well known for that i don't know if that constitutes as brand engagement but they're engaging with the customer i guess and they're being proactive about resolving their issues and that's probably what most brands should strive for when i think of the words brand and engagement powerhouse brands such as nike apple i don't know if this is powerhouse but even like dove come to mind. Brands should interact with consumers through definitely, you know, things like social media and then face-to-face interactions if that's part of the brand. I know that not everyone loves surveys, but I feel like surveys or someone reaching out via email can be a helpful thing if it's not irritating. Also, freebies like when I order mascara from Chanel, I always get to order a little sample freebie, which is kind of nice. The brand that I think interacts with customers best, not to be on the Apple train, but I'm going to say Apple again, because a brand is an experience and you are delighted when you open anything from Apple. And on top of that, interactions with their commercials, I think are always very strong. I could not have scripted that better. A brand is an experience. Love it. All right. So overall, we heard that when people think about brand engagement, they think a lot about social media and they think about interacting with the brand via digital channels. So our next two segments definitely touch on each of these. Next up, we have Maggie Conley, one of MDRG's client insights managers here with our outside the echo chamber segment. Maggie has some ideas around how systems can be better at engaging their audience right now. Let's go. 
For this month's trends, we wanted to look into how brands outside of healthcare are engaging with consumers and what we can expect in the future from some of the more innovative industries like retail. But over the course of our conversations about engagement this month, we don't think we have to delve into the new metaverse playground that the retail world is exploring. It seems there's an entire area of opportunity for healthcare that is right at their fingertips. In the conversation about consumerism, we hear a lot about access and finding ways to decrease friction for the patient. We are asking ourselves to think of the patient as a consumer in the healthcare journey, but there isn't as much conversation on how we are interacting with the patients outside of digital portals and doctor offices. While systems have made tons of progress in content production and are making headway in converting information seekers into actual patients, the content continues to be very WebMD-ish. Social media posts continue to promote flu shots and pictures of nurse Christmas parties. This stuff is now table stakes. If you really want to advance your brand, you need to be where your audience is. We heard it in our consumer interviews. It's time healthcare got in the TikTok game and not just the same Facebook content in video form. Let's see your brand and your doctors on Dr. TikTok. So you may be thinking, our target is not on TikTok. Or what if a doctor or a nurse associated with our brand says something inappropriate? And okay, this is actually a real risk. It just happened a week ago. So I totally get it. The risk is there. Professionals make bad decisions and your organization is left with the fallout. Let's talk about the reward. 60% of the US TikTokers are in the age range of 18 to 24. This is just about the time young adults are starting to manage their own care. They might be moving cities, getting off of their parents' insurance. A recent study by Ernst & Young cites that Gen Z is all about interconnection. They were born with phones in their hands and buds in their ears. Now they're starting their adult lives in a world that has been upended and reshaped by a global pandemic. So mobile technology is their gateway to virtually everything. Their brains are like dashboards, taking in a whole landscape and taking multitasking to a new level. So it's no surprise that they also take a broad view of wellness and health, listening to the constant crosstalk among physical, mental, and social factors. Their Gen Z research reveals that for them, physical health encompasses more than a healthy diet and an active routine. Sleep and downtime, awareness of body image, sexual behavior and orientation, gender identity, diet and nutrition are all part of one picture of health for Gen Z. On top of that, TikTok has become a relevant and often used search engine for Gen Z. In an article from the New York Times published in September, a Gen Zer said that TikTok's results don't seem as biased as Google's, adding that she often wants a different opinion from what ads and websites optimized for Google say. Ms. Kinsey said she also loved how quickly TikTok videos presented information. Although she sometimes fact checks what she finds on TikTok by using Google, she said, I rarely see something that requires that much thought. The personality and authenticity that can be communicated via these platforms could also be a huge positive for your brand. And okay, I do realize researching TikTok will be intimidating for some of you. So just go ahead and Google the most popular doctors on TikTok. Once you spend some time on Dr. Don Dizon's videos, you will see how alive this platform can make your brand. Dr. Don is an oncologist and he has 38,000 followers. TikTok aside, engaging with patients and consumers doesn't have to be a conversation that lives solely in the patient portals and the halls of doctor offices. Be where your consumer is, be authentic, 
and engage outside of the walls of your system. Okay, so hopefully that got you thinking a little bit about your social strategy and maybe how you can make the most out of the opportunities to engage in that space. But let's get down to brass tacks. Most think about their digital environments when we're thinking about measuring engagement. And that is where my next guests come in. I invited Marshall Schoenthal and Jason Hamrick of Phase 2 Technology to join me today to get their take on what engagement means. Phase 2 is a digital product agency that has worked with tons of systems. To put it in a few words, they transform the patient health journey from a disjointed series of interactions to an easy and intuitive experience. And engagement is a topic they engage with systems on every single day. So let's hear their take. Thank you for joining me. The reason we're talking about engagement is, you know, MDRG recently did a study about what metrics, healthcare systems, and disruptors are tracking. And one of the differences that we saw was that disruptors had more of an eye on engagement KPIs. They had much more of an eye on consumer was interacting with them and to what degree. And we felt like that was definitely a leading indicator of success as opposed to some of the metrics that are tried and true for health systems like NPS and CSAT scores. So would love to hear your point of view on what does engagement mean in healthcare in general? When you hear your clients talk about it or when you guys talk about it, what does it mean? Yeah, I think that's a it's a really great question. And it, you know, in other industries, you can look at it as kind of maximizing the amount of time that somebody has on your site or in your product. But I think in healthcare, there's really multiple multiple users that we're talking about. So there's consumers, there's patients, researchers, medical professionals. And what does engagement look like for all of those different user types? So if somebody's a prospective patient, we really want them to engage to find the care they need, right? Make sure they are able to access urgent care or the emergency department, telemedicine or e-visits. But for the, that kind of consumer that's really looking for health and wellness content, you know, making sure that they're able to find the right content based on their medical condition or their the concern they have, and then move on to being able to engage with the healthcare organization to book that appointment or sign up for a newsletter. And that's different from medical researchers and medical professionals, right? They have a different goal of being able to learn about what a particular organization is doing. And again, being able to contact that professional. So it really depends on who the user is, uh, but we want to give them the ability to find their information and really mm-hmm. interact with the healthcare organization qu- as quickly as possible. Yeah. And I think on top of that, if we're thinking about patients, we have to think about really two big engagement types. There's patient education, which is your health information, but also reputational information about the health system, reputational information about their, their physician. And as Marshall said, those patient care activities. So is someone actually going to turn into a consumer, make that decision to step into your point to request an appointment or you know, schedule an appointment? So if you're thinking about engagement, it's looking at those two individual types of engagement, education versus care, and understanding how they're separate, but also how one flows into the other. Sure. And so is it more like a funnel metric that you're looking at? Like we have X amount engaging with our educational content and we do see a direct correlation between that course, that interaction there into then maybe requesting, looking for doctors or requesting an appointment. Yeah, that's how we think about it. There is a full funnel there between education, reputation, thought leadership, being able to trust your physician, be able to trust the health system to then be able to feel confident 
and engaged and informed enough to make that decision to we'll call it purchase. One other thing that we see, and especially with some of the larger health systems, are the, are the foundations that they run. Right, so that's very much looking at you know being able to identify the people that have an interest in, in donating to the hospital or to, to the healthcare yeah. organization, making sure they have the right content based on what they're interested in. Right, so if someone has you know is interested in cancer, make sure they're engaging with that that content, knowing how the money they would donate would be used, what research is coming out of that organization, but then making sure they're able to donate, right? That that's not a complicated process. Sure, that's a great point. So MDRG works with a lot of different health systems. We tend to get the health systems that are maybe a little bit more forward thinking in their approach. They're looking for the consumer voice. I imagine you guys are kind of the same, but you may encounter people who are just kind of like, help me. How do you think the health systems are doing with this with this metric of engagement? Do you think they're paying enough attention? What are they doing right? For the systems who are thinking about themselves as educators, they're really doing great work relying on that content publishing model, thinking about how to deliver and successfully delivering really well-considered and trustworthy information. I think that's going really well. I think everyone's simultaneously making strides in improving the patient experience, understanding find a doc, understanding there is a place for making those things as frictionless as possible. Yeah, I think that you know, what we see really is that there's a lot of players in the industry who are still skating on their heels and they're waiting for consumers mm. to come to them and waiting for somebody to book an appointment. And what I think we see with some of the, as you said, some of the more forward-thinking healthcare organizations, you know, is that they're proactively engaging their consumers, right, to educate them about healthy lifestyles and about preventive care. And as we start to move contracts to more value-based care, you know, that's the trend that, that we're, we're looking at. And we want to utilize, it's a utilization of resources as well. <laughs> if we can keep people healthy, then, you know, the resources that we have, the hospital beds can be used for those that most need them. And that also, you know, changes the financial dynamics for our clients. Yeah, that, you know, that totally aligns with what I heard recently. They identified it as what people seem to be doing well or making strides in is population type education mm -hmm. and tactical engagement, right? But then what they're maybe doing bad in is that more targeted communication that's going to kind of get that next little push that, you know, to actually act and the care compliance. So that's interesting that you guys landed on pretty much exactly the same things. Okay, so if we're talking about the KPI I should be looking at. I'm a marketing director. I work with our consumer experience team. Let's say, what KPI do I need to be really paying attention to? So yeah, well, let me start out. And I think Jason really has, I'm sure has some ideas here. But you know, one of the things that I look at as we build a website or an application for a healthcare client is, you know, how can we have that that tool or that product really? I, I'll tell most all of my clients do more of the work, right? Today, our health systems are, you know, massively under resourced. We've, we've got resource constraints and, and time is a problem for physicians to spend with their patients, right? If the website can do more of the work to educate consumers, to remind consumers about what they need to do. And this is everything from parking, which is one of the things we hear all the time, mm -hmm. you know, especially at urban facilities, right? People have to call up and figure out where do I park? What level do I park on? Because two or three minutes of time savings means that they hit their appointment on time and that the provider doesn't get backlogged. So if systems can do all those yeah. things, that cuts down on the phone calls. And then, you know, as I said, providers can spend more time with patients. So it's really, what are the jobs we want the website or the applications to do? and measuring, are we doing that effectively, right? Are we saving patients time? 
Are we reducing their financial anxiety? Are we improving their health, right? So really tying back the amount of time, the amount of actions that they're doing on the website to those desired outcomes. Marshall, I think that notion of reducing anxiety is really key to any patient care or patient education KPI. So to your point, we want to make sure the patients feel like they're making the right choice. We want to make sure they feel educated so they can understand the conversations they're having with those providers. We want to make sure that they can you know they can trust the provider and feel like the reputation is good and they're in really good hands. And to Marsha's point, there's there's also reducing the anxiety of the visit itself. Where am I going? What should I expect? What's going to happen before this appointment? What's going to happen after this appointment? How is it going to be built? All those really practical questions. If we can find ways through a digital experience to make that easier, it's going to make the patient experience better, and it's going to make the physician experience better. It's going to make the healthcare provider experience better. Now, for hospitals that are in a really competitive environment, what do you think that they can do maybe as low-hanging fruit to increase volume? You know, like what are some, are there tactical things or strategies that they really need to be thinking about to be competitive aside from brand or whatnot? Maybe there's some low-hanging fruit that's mm-hmm. visiting their site that they're mm-hmm. just not capitalizing on. What do you think is something that marketers can do easily to get those patients to making an appointment? That's a topic that we, we kind of wrestle with every, <laughs> every day. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, when we talk about the competitive yeah. markets, typically we're talking about more urban centers, right? Mm-hmm. Where there is, you know, multiple healthcare organizations, multiple academic organizations in the area. And so I think one of the things that we see is not making consumers deal with your internal complexity. You know, too often a website is designed around kind of how a healthcare organization is organized, right? But it's not how that the consumer thinks about it, right? So by aligning your digital products to the consumer's needs, then you make it easier for them to find the content, the resources that they need to to achieve the goal that they're looking for, right? So rather than you know it being structured around exactly you know this is how we're organized, Department of Medicine, Surgery, Pediatrics, it's I'm having knee pain, and so who are the people that can help me with that knee pain? I think by doing that, you really allow the consumer to engage faster with your organization, and if it takes seven clicks. A couple of minutes to find what you're looking for, you're right. They're going to move on to the next organization. Do remember, as we, we were struggling with this internally, is that in many cases, the patient experience doesn't start on the website or doesn't start inside the app. It's going to start with a Google search. It's going to start outside. So thinking about those channels, what can we do to make sure that physician profiles are written in plain language, actually have some personality that speak to the experience that the patient is going to have inside the system, right? So as we're thinking about how do we bring more people in? We all know that patients follow their doctors if they like them. Mm -hmm. What is you guys' philosophy on like, how can these institutions become more personable? And do you think there's an appetite for that? Most definitely. It's really about establishing the right voice for an organization. Awesome. Would love to understand from you guys if you've seen more requests on how to engage the workforce or how to improve the workforce experience. I mean, this is such a huge issue for systems. I feel remiss to not at least bring it up. Most definitely. Obviously, healthcare hasn't been hit as hard in the work from home or kind of merge as much through the work from as other industries. But you are still seeing where providers are not clinical. They're they're being able to do that work from their home. So we're seeing 
definitely a lot of curiosity about uh, digital workplaces, making it easier for your providers, for your other clinicians, for your administrative teams to access all of the tools that need to be done. And you see this around some of the organizational structures, you know, don't exist in the same way that they did pre-pandemic. So the meeting at the nurse's station, you know, might be less well attended today than it was to, you know, pre-pandemic, right? So some of the the communication channels have, have changed. And being able to use a digital workplace to not only tell people about daily tasks, but, you know, what are some of the compliance things that they need to be doing? What are some of the initiatives that are being done across the organization? We've saw, saw one healthcare provider where their CEO did a week kind of TED talk and just really engaged the organization every day about here's the challenges that we're facing. Here's the things that we're doing to confront that and really brought a human element to it that allowed their team members to know we're here with you. We're thinking about it. We, we understand that you're under a lot of stress and we're actively working to, to ease that burden on you. And we found that paying attention to that digital workspace, to Marshall's point, really helps with retention. Right. So for a lot of people, especially nurses on the floor, they're not going to spend their time, obviously. So what can we do to make the time that they are working inside that digital workplace, interacting with it, make that as frictionless as possible? All of us have those parts in the job that are a little bit administrative. How do I sit my timesheet? How do I ask for PTO? How do I understand my benefits? So in the same way that we think about the patient experience, and I'll call it, we need to think about the internal provider experience as well. Applying that same mentality of making things frictionless, because we know that everybody's overworked and exhausted and, you know, leaving because they feel pressured and tired yeah. and overworked and not appreciated. So making those little things easy. Jason raised a good point. And you, you reiterated it, Stephanie, is that, you know, it's tying that to the work we're doing to improving retention. So as we start to design these systems, both kind of consumer facing and internal facing, really making sure it's not just saying things like easier to access or making it sticky. What's the desired outcome that we want to get from that, right? We want to increase net new patients. We want to improve customer retention. We want to ease financial anxiety or basically make it so that people know what they're going to be charged and they know the options for paying for that that service that they've received, right? So by doing that, then we can make sure that the work we're doing is always tied to one of those outcomes. And we're not just doing things because it's the newest, coolest thing that's out there. Absolutely. I love that. We live by that too. We don't want to do research to look at pretty numbers. (laughs) (laughs) We want to do it to make some impact. Hmm. Awesome. Well, is there anything else that you guys would like to say around engagement and healthcare these days? Yeah, I think that the, the one thing that we're really starting to see is that you've seen this in other industries. I and mean, if you go back five years ago and looked at consumer facing products in financial services or the hospitality industry, they were very transactional. I was listening to a talk the other day that was looking at Airbnb, where it was very much just a booking site, right? Where do you want to go? What days are you going to be there? Who's going? And now it's started to move much more into an experience. Are you looking to stay in some place where you can experience great design or interact with the with the outdoors. And so I think we're starting to see that trend in in healthcare where it's not just book an appointment. It's where are you in your life? You've crossed a threshold. You're in your 40s. You're in your 50s. What are the things that you have to start thinking about with your healthcare? And what are the goals that you have? Do you want to become more physically active? Are you looking to start sleeping better? What are the things you're trying to achieve and providing users with that content? And those services in a seamless, frictionless manner is really what we're, we're looking to do. And I think healthcare has a lot of catching up to do, but we're making great strides really every day. 
All right, you guys, thanks so much for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please share, rate, and review on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting platform. For more content about simplifying healthcare, visit mdrginc.com. That's mdrginc.com. This show is produced by Shift Forward Health, the channel for changemakers. Subscribe to Shift Forward Health on your favorite podcast app, and you'll be subscribed to our entire library of shows. See our full lineup at shiftforwardhealth.com. One subscription, all the podcasts you need, and it's all for free. We'll see you next time on What Consumers Want.